Welcome to School of Everything Else. The Lonely Island. Testing. My mic sounds nice. Check one. My mic sounds nice. Check two. My mic sounds nice. Check three. My mic sounds nice. Check four. My mic sounds nice. Check five. My mic sounds nice. Check six. My mic sounds nice. Check seven. This is going to be a musical episode and a sly revival of the Sound of Gonzo format as we take you through the oeuvre of the Saturday Night Live trio of comedy hip-hop artists The Lonely Island over 11 years of success and failure. We're going to talk about and play for you their funniest songs, and since there's a heavy dose of satire throughout, we're going to pick up on the satirical themes that reoccur throughout. They go from scrappy kids showing off in front of blurry, low-res cameras to the image of shrewdly observed, glossily captured, expertly produced contemporary rappers indistinguishable from the highest-paid recording artists on the planet in their 2016 film Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. We're going to go into this as though most of you have heard one or two of their songs but aren't familiar with the rest because statistically that's going to be the case. Rude, crude, sexual language ahead, folks. Just FYI. And we're going to kick things off with the first track from their 2009 album Incredibad and it is called Who Said We're Whack? Hey yo fam, check this out. I was just at the club, right? Heard these two dudes talking. One of them said to the other one that they knew someone. Who said you guys are whack? You said we're whack, you take it back Who said we're whack, you talking smack, you're gonna get smacked You're saying that I'm whack, but it just ain't so, so Someone said we're whack, why would they say that? I don't think we're whack, who said we're whack? Who said we're whack, I can't believe that They must be smoking crack, say that we're whack Say that we're whack, you probably get smacked If you said we're whack, did you say we're whack? Who said we're whack, I'll paint your eye black Once I check my facts, who said we're whack? How could a person up and call a person whack? How could the devil turn the blue sky black? How many babies born will ever reach their dreams? And how could a person call another person whack? I heard a rumor that someone said we're whack. I think that it's whack to call someone whack. I am not whack, no matter what you say. What did you say? Did you say I'm whack? There is. Childhood best friends born in Berkeley, California between 1977 and 78, the Lonely Island are Andy Samberg, whom a lot of you might have seen as Jake Peralta in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He is the big, loud one with the shrill voice. Jorma Tacone is the little cute one with the smooth voice, and Akiva Schaefer is the quiet, intense one with the rough voice. They first joined the cast and writing team of Saturday Night Live in 2005, all around 28 years old at the time, and produced the first digital short for them, Lazy Sunday, which we're going to play for you now, not because it's great, but because it was a big step for them. This is an early prototype, transposing, posturing, hip-hop, self-aggrandizing with frugal, movie-watching nerds, indicating their place as outsiders coveting a cool lifestyle in a very relatable way, especially for me as the movie-watching frugal nerd. 
Sandberg is accompanied here by Archer and Rick and Morty star Chris Parnell, who had at the time been with SNL for seven years since 1998. Sunday, wake up in the late afternoon. Call Parnell just to see how he's doing. Hello, what up, pawns? Yo, Sandberg, what's cracking? You thinking what I'm thinking? Nadia, man, it's happening. But first, my hunger pangs are sticking like duct tape. Let's hit up Magnolia and mac on some cupcakes. No doubt that bakery's got all the bomb frosty. I love those cupcakes like McAdams loves Gosling. Next up is the 2006 piece with former NSYNC member Justin Timberlake, who was at the time enjoying perhaps the peak of his megastardom. Now, here's where this being purely audio somewhat hamstrings us as a podcast, because the videos for these songs are goddamn hilarious to watch, nearly always offsetting the deadpan, serious lyrical content and delivery with absurd visual contrast. In this case, Sandberg and the notoriously sexy Timberlake are performing in the style of precisely 1991 R&B acts like Jodeci, Color Me Bad and Boys to Men. The joke being that what was sexy to ladies 15 years ago might be ridiculous now. And 12 years after 2006, it's even funnier. There's other layers besides these characters' ludicrously dated apparel. The song itself is flesh-crawlingly creepy, honing in on what men have decided that women like over the far more varied and personal reality of talking to her and finding out for yourself. It's a pickup artist's gut-churning catch-all moveset, and when rendered like this, it feels somewhat less threatening and somewhat more ridiculous. This is Dick in a Box. Hey girl, I got something real important to give you. So just sit down and listen. Girl, you know we've been together such a long, long time. Such a long time. And now I'm ready to lay it on the line. Wow, you know it's Christmas and my heart is open wide. Gonna give you something so you know what's on my mind What's on my mind A gift real special So take off the top Take a look inside Is my dick in a box? It's in a box Not gonna get you a diamond ring That sort of gift don't mean anything Not gonna get you a fancy car Girl, you gotta know you're my shining star Gonna get you a house in the hills A girl like you needs something real Wanna get you something from the heart Something special, girl It's my dick in a box My dick in a box, babe It's my dick in a box Ooh, My dick in a box, girl
Ironically, current megastar Bruno Mars seems to have been thoroughly inspired in some part by this same movement of music being parodied here, and multiple songs in his 2016 album 24 Karat Magic sound like this exact same thing, only played straight. Which made me laugh uncontrollably while listening to it for the first time, hoping he would go back to his Michael Jackson and James Brown fusion of funk instead. So, songs like That's What I Like, That's What I Like, and Versace on the floor, and I got Tanisha waiting, Aisha waiting. It just, it just comes, like, if he wasn't sexy as fuck, the song itself would be creepy as fuck. Uh, then again, this is the same exceptionally talented chap who made a song wherein he compared a lady he was having sex with to a gorilla. So... Hmm. A dick in a box Every single holiday A dick in a box Over at your parents' house A dick in a box Midday at the grocery store A dick in a box Backstage at the CMA's A dick in a box Yeah, wow, 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 wow My dick in a box In 2007, the Lonely Island went through Will Ferrell's trash like a trio of raccoons and found the script for a film called Hot Rod about a small-town idiot who does motorbike stunts to raise money for his father's medical bills. Saturday Night Live head honcho Lorne Michaels, the fictionalised version of whom is played by Alec Baldwin in 30 Rock, managed to talk these boys up and get them control, with Schaefer directing and Sandberg acting as the lead, supported by Tacone, each of them having some influence over Pam Brady's script and the final edit. The studio, Paramount, wanted pig swill that they could pour into the trough for an audience of simpletons they clearly despise. The Lonely Island made things more absurd, netting dismal reviews, 40% freshness, and the film costing 25 million was a flop, netting only 14 million back. Now, you've seen Hot Rod, haven't mm. you? What did they spend 25 million on? I'm not sure. I don't get how you can spend that much on it. The guys were aiming for a vibe similar to SNL legend Steve Martin in The Jerk, and to a degree they succeed. Hot Rod is a fun watch, and there's several moments that will stick with you, like the footloose homage punch dancing sequence set to Never by Moving Pictures, and a weird moment where the phrase cool beans turns into an impromptu mix. This was going to be taken out of the film, but it was the test audience's favourite bit. Thanks. Cool beans. 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 Cool Up until now, this had all just been practice runs for these guys, but 2008 was the year they actually grew in confidence and skill, not uncoincidentally after taking the hit on Hot Rod. They turned a failure that might crush most other comedians and turned things around to a period of creative growth and advancing skill. Jizz in my pants hits upon a rich vein of critique on male entitlement. It's not that their sexual oversensitivity makes them bad people. It's the foisting of the blame of their severely premature ejaculation onto the women they were romancing, or even just trying to do their job, that makes them literal, irresponsible pricks. 
They search for blame in a scenario that doesn't require it, and they turn that blame outwards to women, slut-shaming them with accusations of leading them on. That this is delivered in a manner of self-serious German house further expands their diverse range of musical forms. Black eyes from across the room Down my drink while the rhythms boom Take your hand and skip the names No need here for the silly games Make our way through the smoking crowd The club is the sky and I'm on your cloud Moving close as the lasers fly Our bodies touch and the angels cry Leave this place, go back to yours Our lips first touch outside your doors The whole night what we've got in store Whisper in my ear that you want some more And I jizz in my pants This really never happens, you can take my word I won't apologize, that's just absurd your fault for the way that you dance and now I jizz in my pants Don't tell your friends or I'll say you're a slut Plus it's your fault you were rubbing my butt I'm very sensitive, some would say that's a plus Now I'll go home and change I need a few things from the grocery Do things alone now mostly Left me heartbroken, not looking for love Surprise in my eyes when I looked above The checkout counter and I saw her face My heart stood still, so did time and space Never thought that I could feel real again But the look in her eyes said I need a friend She turned to me, that's when she said it Looked me dead in the face, as cash or credit And I shizzed in my pants It's perfectly normal, nothing wrong with me But we're going to need a clean up on aisle three And now I'm posed in an awkward stance Because I shizzed in my pants To be Fair, you were flirting a lot Plus the way you bag cans got me bothered and hot Please stop acting like you're not impressed One more thing, I'm gonna pay by check Last week, I saw a film As I recall, it was a horror film Walked outside into the rain Checked my phone and saw you rang And I jizzed in my past Speeding down the street when the red lights flash Need to get away, need to make a dash A song comes on that reminds me of you And I jizz in my past Next day, my alarm goes off And I jizz in my past Open my window when a breeze rolls in and I jizzed in my pants When Bruce Willis was dead at the end of Sixth Sense I jizzed in my pants I just ate a grape and I jizzed in my pants I went to jizzed the okay. in my pants Seriously you guys, can we, okay? I'd like to think that for men, songs like these tell a very clear story of the kind of guy we shouldn't be like. And for women, they commiserate and offer laughter at an absurd exaggeration of some unpleasant shit that far too many ladies have had to put up with. That's why they make me laugh. Like a Boss, again, captures the most common recurring theme of music by The Lonely Island, which is the brittle male ego, a fixation on status and never admitting to any weakness or need for support, lest we be thought of as weak and unfit members of society. We must always be closing. We must always be winning. We must always be a boss. Mr. Sandberg, thanks for coming to your performance review. No problem. So you're in charge around here, is that fair to say? Absolutely. I'm the boss. Okay, so take us through a day in the life of the boss. Well, the first thing I do is... Talk to corporate! Approve memos! Lead a workshop! Remember birthdays! Direct workflow! My own bathroom! Micromanage! Promote synergy! Hit on Deborah! Get rejected! Swallow sadness! Send some faxes! Call a sex line! Cry deeply! Demand a refund! Eat a bagel! Harassment lawsuit! No promotion! Fifth of vodka! Shit on Deborah's desk! Buy a gun! In my mouth! Oh fuck me, I can't fucking do it, shit! Pussy out! Puke on Deborah's desk! Jump out the window! Suck a dude's dick! Score some coke! Crash my car! Suck my own dick! Eat some chicken strips! Chop my balls off! Blackout in the sewer! Meet a 
So that's an average day for you then? No doubt. You chop your balls off and die. Hell yeah. And I think at one point there you said something about sucking your own dick? Nope. Actually, I'm pretty sure you did. Nah, that ain't me. Okay, well, this has been eye-opening for me. I'm the boss. Yeah, I know. I got that. You said that 400 times. I'm the boss. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I'm the boss. Okay, great. I heard you. Bye. Like a boss. If there's a song I'd wager the most of you have heard by these guys, it's I'm on a boat. Once again, this is centered around a temporary badge of status, specifically one enjoyed by the rich. Not only do these rotten, weak men need to sing their fleeting appearance of social prominence from the mountaintop with increasingly crazy claims of masculinity like riding a dolphin and fucking a mermaid, but they also had to single out Jorma, the one guy not on the boat, having a rubbish day and clearly failing at life. The notion that men can only be considered successful if they climb to the heights over a mound of other men who aren't succeeding and especially of women who aren't succeeding, is one of Western civilization's most insidious insecurities. Or women who are succeeding, that they are pulling off the top of the mountain and throwing yeah, down it's like, together. It's okay Take that you're succeeding, place. love, but I'm just going to climb over you here. Mm. Oh, shit! Get your towels ready, it's about to go down! Everybody in the place hit the fucking deck! But stay on your motherfucking toes! I'm on a boat, I'm on a boat, I'm on a boat, everybody look at me, cause I'm sailing on a boat. I'm on a boat, I'm on a boat, I'm on a boat, take a good hard look at the motherfucking boat. Yeah. I'm on a boat, motherfucker, take a look at me. Straight floating on a boat on the deep blue sea. Busting by night, wind whipping at my coat. You can't stop me, motherfucker, cause I'm on a boat. Picture trick, I'm on a boat, bitch. Drinking Santana champ, cause it's so crisp. I got my swim trucks and my flipping floppies. I'm flipping burgers, you at Kinko straight flipping cabbage. I'm riding on a dolphin, doing flips and shit. The dolphin splashing, getting everybody all wet. But this ain't Sea World, this is real as it gets. I'm on a boat, motherfucker, don't you ever forget. I'm on a boat and it's going fast and I got an article theme, patch me to Afghan. I'm a king of the world on a boat like Leo. If you own the show, then you show not me. Oh, get the fuck up! This boat is real. Fuck land, I'm on a boat, motherfucker. Fuck trees, I climb buoys, motherfucker. I'm on the deck with my boys, motherfucker. The boat engine make noise, motherfucker. Hey, my, if you can see me now, I'm 
these last two songs coincided with the release of their first album, Incredibad. One of the tracks is We Like Sports, the third of four very similar songs about two creepy guys played by Jorma and Akiva. Notably in this one, they are claiming to enjoy sports, a province enjoyed by the majority of regular people, less so nerdy types. This one is oddly prescient because it captures the derision of jocks by nerds at the exact same time that they are enacting the shitty behaviour classically assumed of men whose lives revolve around sports. Gatekeeping with poisonous aggression. The other three songs in this quad are Just Two Guys, We Need Love and We'll Kill You, which has the two guys attempting to sound gangster and attempting to attract women to their party, but always with that creepy lack of interest in their personal feelings or sense of safety. They want women, they can't get women, they hate women, and they resent the men who can get women. They even have a friend called Steve who seems like he might be a bit more easygoing, but they reject him in each song and he never gets to sing, along with his snake, and later, his girlfriend. In short, these just two guys are the dark heart of nerddom that's been there since the beginning. If you watch Revenge of the Nerds, it's right fucking there, and has flourished into a disgusting jungle in recent years as their territory, the internet, became world-dominating. If you have had trouble with women, that is absolutely fine. You listen to this show so we know you are a good person and would never be like these two guys. The way these songs come together as well is just a summing up of how pandering to that idealised sense of, of masculinity comes through, that you've got these acceptable topics, parties, violence, sports and sex, and everything has to be forced through that lens. And those are the things that you've got to succeed at and ideally excel at, and then you will be considered an acceptable man. Mm. And if you fail at any of those things, then you'll be rejected and thrown out of whatever cabal the acceptable men are in. But I think as well, these songs are, they're deliberately a bit crap. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I think they, you you do get within them the structure that the the rest of their songs build on, although as time progresses, the production values get better and the the music styles that they're parodying become more appealing. I think they were trying to be a bit easier on the eyes of the people watching. Well, exactly. And the ears. Yeah. Although the, the, these four Just Two Guys ones seem like they're actually like... You, you remember like dating agencies where you'd send in a video of yourself? Mm. It seems like they're this is their video pitch to yes. ladies. They're a bit peep show. Yes. A little bit. A little bit bottom. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, football, football. Tennis. Hockey. The game is starting. Everyone is here. I got my snacks, my friends, and a beer. Just two normal guys hanging out, having fun. Right, guy number two? Yeah, guy number one. E to the S to the P to the N is all I watch cause I'm the man. If my team loses, I'll be mean all night. If you tell me to relax, we'll get in a fight. Watching sports with girls is a pain. They don't know the rules. There's no time to explain. Single, double, triple, home run. For the celebration, I'll shoot my gun. I like my friend. He's a real guy's guy. He's not a loud mouth like that cunthole Steve. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From Wimbledon to the Astrodome. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, 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 tennis, hockey, golf. Now when I say sports, you say nuts. Sports, nuts, sports, nuts. When I say cheating, you say sucks. 
Cheating sucks. Cheating sucks. I drink whiskey because I like the taste. You think it's bitter, but I think it's great. I also drink whiskey and we smoke cigars. Don't believe me? Smell our cars. We're real men and we like sports. If you say that we're not, then we'll see you in court. I'm team captain and I choose you. I'm the other team captain and I choose you too. We steal the ball and we're off to the races. Then scare the other team with our mad dog faces like what, 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 what? What, 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 what? We like sports and we don't care who knows. From the pregame jokes to the wrap up show. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, 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 tennis, hockey, golf. Throw me the baseball. Now toss me the pigskin. Now feed me the rock. Now give me the rock. In 2010, another song about male insecurity, specifically to do with sex, but this time it's less cruel, and more of a knowing wink at how much importance men, and by that I mean pretty much all of us, place on just getting to have sex, specifically when we're in our teens and maybe twenties. In this song, having sex is treated like a thing that girls allow us to do on them. As though the female contribution is submission to nagging, rather than this being something extremely fun that two people, or more, can do together and all get something out of. Once again, men are shown as pathetic braggarts, comparing notes and minimising the importance of everything to do with the lady, including her pleasure, whether she's enjoying your company, whether she's even a nice person at all, and focusing instead upon her boobies. In this song, men are children, and yet by the end in this video, as the incredulous Blake Lively and Jessica Alba have put up with the triumphant bleatings of Andy and Jorma, they kind of still enjoy themselves nonetheless for the rousing finale chorus that is fairly impossible not to sing along to, especially with guest singer Akon. This is I Just Had Sex. I actually really, really like this one. I, it does have that men are obsessed with this and why are they obsessed with this and and isn't it silly and, and a little bit childish that they are obsessed with this mm. uh, or at least the men within the concept of the song are mm. i'm sure they're not saying all men are like this hashtag not all men the fact that they approach it from a, a slightly more self-aware perspective in that they appear to know how crapulent they are and it's like <laughs> i know we're stupid we're silly we can't help it <laughs> <laughs> and it just seems a little bit less insidious and, and aggressive and something that you would really want to go out of your way to avoid, mm. which is the kind of the tone that you get from Jizz in My of Pants. Ones, yeah. yeah. Like the, these guys are, are guilty of being uh, like selfish and probably quite crap in bed, mm. but they're not slut shaming no and also it's it's almost like this is a baseline yes they're guilty of being selfish and crap in bed but they also give the impression that with patience they could learn to be better well since they've apparently been practicing on piles of manure well yeah <laughs> dear god please shower first okay. thoroughly but the yeah the the admission of your own naffness and willingness to at least accept the responsibility indicates room for growth and change, mm. which is a positive thing. Also, it's really funny. Yes. It reminds me of the Nathan Barley line. Oh, I'm a bit cross with you. You let Nathan... I was waiting for you all night, and then you let Nathan do a fuck in your ass. <laughs> do a fuck 
in your ass. Oh, dear me. Sorry. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> it's just the idea that that women don't have sex with men, they let men have sex with them. Yeah. As though they are merely dolls. Yeah. They just, they just receptacles. lie there and let you get on with it, apparently. Um, Which, again, is why I love the fact that Blake and Jessica are enthusiastically joining in with the song, at least, by the end. By the end, yeah. yeah. Although they're sort of like, throughout the music video. Yes. But two things. One... To a degree, I do enjoy this for nostalgia value because when I, I remember being a teen and strutting down the street thinking, I just had sex in a similar way. So it's, uh, it, it, like I say, it does sort of, like once you get beyond a certain age group and maturity point, unless it's somebody absolutely brand new, in which case it still feels like a bit of a milestone, mm. especially if you like them. The other thing is that this song's really catchy and it's a really fun song that if you're feeling happy will make you feel happier. Sometimes something beautiful happens in this world. You don't know how to express yourself, so you just gotta sing. of my life. I'm so humbled by a girl's ability to let me do it. Cause honestly I'd have sex with a pile of manure. With that in mind, the soft night smelling girls better. But she let me wear my chain and my turtleneck sweater. So this one's dedicated to was when their second album Turtleneck and Chain was released with a whole bunch of their best songs 
the album title and cover image hones in on a presumed sense of style for men trying far too hard to be cool. But if you peel away that turtleneck veneer, and you get track two, which begins with a hip-hop salute to the many-faced mother who raised a million rappers under difficult circumstances, but swiftly devolves into a domestic spat between obnoxious teenagers and their white, interrupting but well-meaning mom. This is Mama. This one goes out from the bottom of our hearts to the most important lady in our lives. It's time to pay some respect. I hope you're proud of us, because we're proud of you. Mama, you raised me right. Mama, showed me the light. Mama, through pain and strife. Mama, you gave us life. When I fell down, you were there to pick me up. When I felt bad, you were there to build me up. Gave everything you had in the world to me. And you made me the man I'm supposed to be. Jane, even though I don't say it often enough, I appreciate everything you did for us. Never take it for granted, cause it ain't hard to see. The best parts of you were now a part of me. Oh, Mama. And when I was cold outside, you kept us warm and held us down. You're my one true love, my heart, my mom Showing respect in the form of this song So when life gets hard and it makes you cry I'll always be there to wipe a different your eyes My mom, my number one fan, my best friend And I'll never disrespect mom. I know you said you weren't hungry, but I need to dance on a lock Please, Get the please, fuck please, out! Please, go! Okay, how's your little club going? Not a club! It's a rap club! She's an angel on earth with invisible wings I'm putting on a bug and someone with her a spring or a fall Jump in front of a bullet if it can save my mom You gotta go go with bullet cause she will never see a Jack Sparrow is probably their other best-known song. Once again nautical in nature, once again with a special guest singer, Michael Bolton was not known for his hip-hop connections, being instead the male Celine Dion. And just like she did with Deadpool 2, Bolton plays up his image, coming across as a crazed fictional version of himself who's just really into movies and cosplaying as his favourite characters. That would be funny enough on its own, but it is juxtaposed here with The Lonely Island attempting to be as cool as fuck, with a song that combines boasting about how much money they have when they roll up to the club, along with one of rap's most troubling aspects as a musical form, namely threatening anyone who messes with the singer with straight up murder. The back and forth once again sucks the wind out of this aggressive, toxic pomposity with earnest, ludicrous celebration of a pirate whose actor would ironically become the figurehead for shameful Hollywood domestic violence. Eventually, they settle in the middle where Bolton does Scarface, a film that has sent the wrong message to generation after generation of young Easily led men. Yes, Tony Montana has money, power, and women. But he's miserable, paranoid, and his life is violent, furious, short, and tragic. 
and he gets rightfully shot to pieces by the police like the monster he is. It is an abuse of the American dream, and anyone who wants to be like Scarface needs to watch other and better movies, like The Pirates of the Caribbean. Guys, Michael Bolton is here. Oh, great. Send him in. Hey, guys. Hey. Thanks for coming. I'm really sorry I'm late. I just got caught up watching the Pirates of the Caribbean marathon. Have you seen those things? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are great. Well, I listened to your track, and I loved it. And I wrote you this big, sexy hook I think you're going to really dig. Oh, wow, that's awesome. great. You want to just lay it down? Boys, let's get to it. To it, to it. is the return of the two men who previously put their dicks in boxes getting released from prison for that same crime. And the golden rule sees the two smooth gentlemen turn up separately at Lady Gaga's apartment and it seems she wants them both so they have to sing a song to make what they're about to do legit. Okay, so I wanted to talk about these three songs together because they're intended, I think, to be 
a triptych. They're all with a trifecta. Justin, trifecta, okay. Mm. Um, they're all uh, performed with Justin Timberlake, and the music videos segue into one another. So, as you say, it's, they're being released from prison um, at <laughs> the beginning of Mother Lover, following on from the end of Dick in a Box. Side note, it is possible that they were sent to prison in 1991. Hence. <laughs> Hence that they never updated their style. They've only been out of prison for a few days that did occur since to me. 1991. <laughs> Absolutely. And it also might explain why their mothers are so um, frustrated and um, yeah. hard done by by this point. Right. Um, and then the uh, end of, or the beginning of the Golden Rule picks up the morning after Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Indeed. But um, these three are probably my favourite of the Lonely Island songs. Uh, they make me laugh hysterically for a start, not least because of the absurdity of the videos that you mentioned. But also, I love the fact that they specifically play with the cuckold concept. Okay, so one of the things that we're going to be talking about over the course of this is how the Lonely Island address toxic masculinity and rip the living shit out of it. Um, And these are a fantastic example of that. So uh, starting with Dick in a Box... (laughs) So many good theses begin this way. Starting starting with with a Dick dick in a a Box... You've got this this idea of a man who is effectively retained as a booty call toy and has to experience a relationship without any real regard for his own needs. That's what the the insult dick in a box means. It means that a a woman has you on the end of a string and whenever she wants you, she calls and you're there and you don't assert yourself as a man or demand what you want or try to wear the pants in this relationship at all. The way this song flips that is they make being a dick in a box something desirable something that actually this is he's doing this by choice he's giving this to his woman voluntarily wow to to express how much he cares about her and it completely undermines the idea that if you are in that kind of relationship you are less of a man and therefore undeserving of respect and i like that i think that's sweet <laughs> okay so then This segues then into the raw Oedipal conflict (laughs) that is Mother Lover. Now, apart from anything else, the fact that Susan Sarandon is playing Andy Samberg's mother and Patricia Clarkson is playing Justin Timberlake's mother, which is brilliant. I just, I love the way these two actresses perform their given roles it's delightful to watch the way this one's presented is the fact that there is a a through line of if you want to insult a man and undermine his masculinity suggesting that you have nailed his mother is one of the ways that you would do that yeah your mother exactly but this is put across in more of a well if you loved your mum wouldn't you want her to be happy and sexually satisfied by somebody that you trust, i.e. your best friend, who apparently is so close that you might as well be brothers? And that, of course, is where part of the humour comes from in the song. <laughs> I mean, there's some, there's some moments in this video that just... The, the, there's a fine line between laughing uproariously and vomiting. <laughs> and this this video dances on a couple of them. Vom laughing. Yes, indeed. It. 
last Mother's Day. Didn't get a gift for her. Other plans got in the way. She'll be so disappointed. Damn, I forgot it too. This could have been avoided. What the hell are we gonna do? My mom's been so alone ever since my daddy left. Go. No one to hold her tight. Life has put her to the test. I know just what you mean. My mom's been so sad and gray. My dad can't satisfy her in the bedroom ever since he passed away. Hold up. from that into the golden rule the golden rule which plays with another idea of of that that sort of goes into this you've got to dictate who gets to have sex and when in that these two guys are going to be sharing a lady specifically lady gaga who is well known for being liberated and sexually independent in her own career so she is perfect to play this role and that the fact that they are going to be sharing her has no negative impact on their self-worth at all even though in quote-unquote normal circumstances that would cause shudders of self-identity anxiety to ripple through men who are shall we say a little bit less secure perhaps. Let's, let's not insult uh, probably a large proportion of our male listeners <laughs> go, oh, you're all insecure. But the 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 fact that they take this satirical angle yeah, have as a, well... Have a list. It's, it's natural to be somewhat challenged by this notion. Well, yes, okay, but the, the insecurity, I suppose, that they're kind of cocking a snook at is more 
the what the, the golden rule response, refers yeah. to, which is the idea that if there's if there's a lady in between the two of you, even if you're both naked, um, then it's not gay. And this whole sort of the the fear of being thought gay and therefore less manly, and it being turned into a scenario where, uh, in actual fact, they both have a whale of a time to the point where she goes off and has some cereal without them. Now, you specifically asked to do Shy Ronnie, uh, specifically Shy Ronnie 2, Ronnie and Clyde, uh, featuring Rihanna. Mm-hmm. I love this one. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything particularly deep or involved to say about it other than the the way it takes tropes and stereotypes of the romantic couple who go off and do crimes together and flips them round. It's got Rihanna in... The hottest looking suit ever. My God, this woman is stupendously gorgeous Mm -hmm. and a wonderful singer. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's probably like 90% of why I love watching this one. (laughs) 
it's notable that at the end when she says, uh, "I've got, I'm going to take this guy. We're going to have sex." That that's John Ham. She yes, looking goofy. Looking huh? okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean the 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 conceit with Shirani, the, the the original version of Shirani was much the same as this. She's singing about how awesome they are. That she hands it over to Ronnie, and Ronnie can't sing anything because he's too shy. Mm. But as soon as she goes away, or the attention's off him, he's able to sing super aggressively. Absolutely, yeah. The fact that he can only take on that kind of shouty man persona when she's not in the room. Men intimidated by women. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically, men intimidated by women who are able to hold a room. Yeah. Yeah. is Threw It On The Ground, another prescient song dealing in male red pill rejection of society. The character singing is so fixated on the notion that life is one big lie, one big sell from phonies, that he refuses to enjoy even simple offered pleasures, destroys them, and screams at the people who would have helped him. Mark David Chapman, the fuckwit who shot John Lennon, was similarly obsessed with people being false, selling one thing and being another. He was so convinced of his moral authority that he took one of our greatest singers forever. 
And this mentality hasn't gone away. It inhabits the twisted brains of every irrational Redditor, every commenter on YouTube, abusive tweeter, racist, misogynist gamer, every shithead who complains about something in an Amazon review that was never even part of the intended overall experience. This is a song about people who make things so much worse for themselves and everyone else. They look inside and what's there disappoints them. They look back out and all they can see is shit. So they reject life and throw bits of it on the ground, whilst continuing to exist and making everyone else sadder. This is also people who believe that being a colossal asshole is some kind of edgy and challenging political stance. I was walking through the city streets And a man walks up to me and hands me the latest energy drink Run faster, jump higher Man, I'm not gonna let you poison me I threw it on the ground You must think I'm a joke I ain't gonna be part of your system Man, pump that garbage in another man's veins to my favorite hot dog stand and the dude says you come here all the time here's one for free i said man what i look like a charity case i took it and threw it on the ground i don't need your handouts i'm an adult please you can't buy me hot dog man the farmer's market with my so-called girlfriend she hands me her cell phone says it's my dad man this ain't my dad this is a cell phone i threw it on the ground what you think i'm stupid i'm not a part of your system my dad's not a phone some poser hands me cake at a birthday party What you want me to do with this? Eat it? Happy birthday to the ground I threw the rest of the cake too Welcome to the real world, jackass So many things to throw on the ground Like this and this and that and even this I'm an adult Two Hollywood phonies tried to give me their autograph The irony at the end of the video is that the Hollywood phonies are Ryan Reynolds and Elijah Wood, two extremely honest actors able to share their emotional vulnerability with us. They never tried to give this guy their autographs. He just ran in and interrupted their dinner and table flipped. So when they tase him in the butthole, the lesson he should learn is not to be needlessly aggressive with strangers. But his lesson is you can't trust the system, so nothing is learned. And this guy's ultimate crime of being the worst version of himself is also his ultimate punishment. 
The downside being, it's also our punishment. We are his roommates on planet Earth. After Party is a slightly more sympathetic look at vulnerable men projecting unbreakable strength. It's about a successful businessman falling apart when he realises what a meaningless parade his existence has become, and perhaps always has been. But even in realising this and attempting to recover and take stock of his life, he must remain at the pace he has already set his momentum at. The cyclical nature of this collapse, reset, work to burnout cycle is made clear in the final verse when Andy says, next week we're going to do it again. Do you know what this reminds me of? That uh, Jonathan Coulton song. Um, I feel fantastic. I feel fantastic, yeah. 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 That's the version of him before he starts to break down. Mm. the party's the hotel lobby and after that you know it's diamond chris and after that i say excuse me miss and after that we're going back to the room and after that she's gonna leave real soon and after that i crack one more beer and after that i just stare in the mirror and after that i start freaking out what the hell am i doing with my life call up my mom and get my cry on order room service get my apple pie on and after that i just walk the streets a homeless dude throws up on my feet and i see just how pointless life is full on existential crisis tear off my clothes and scream at the sky fall to my knees and ask god why talk about Great Day, which seems oddly connected to this one. Yeah, again, I didn't have a massive amount to say about it, but it does tie in with that idea of sustaining an image. This is the guy from Like a Boss, 
pretty much. Yeah. That's the impression I get. It's it's Sandberg again, and he spends most of the video with his face covered in cocaine, <laughs> and it's overcompensating wildly. Absolutely, and and one of the things I really like about the video actually is that it it's got him racing around town doing all this crazy shit and apparently having fun and being enthusiastic about things, and very occasionally you'll get these little flashes of almost demonic terror coming through him because he just can't contain it anymore and then at the end of the video it cuts to Bill Hader and his wife watching this coked out guy in a suit melting on the pavement Mm. and we get to see what the world actually sees from the outside but there is a tragedy to the song as well the the throwaway lines he mentions like I should spend more time with my kids Mm. he's been told this before then my wife and kids and boss and parents will say we were wrong about you Dennis he's been told over and over again people have no faith in him and he has had to overcompensate Mm. by saying I can handle this I can handle this Mm. it's really a if you feel anything like this, seek help yeah, song. Absolutely. But if you if if your response to this is to simply shovel down speed and try desperately to force more into a life which is already overburdened with things you don't need, then something's gonna crack. Nothing's fine, nothing's ever fine. <laughs> I don't know why, but today seems like it's gonna be a great day. There's something in the air that makes me feel like things are gonna go my way. The birds are chirping, tweedly deet. The sun is shining bright. There's a skip in my step, a pep in my pep. And I don't know why. Hey there, mailman Fred. Any letters for my ex-wife or the kids? No. Nope. Fantastic news! <laughs> day makes me feel so happy that my face is numb my heart is racing along so many places and people to me now that i've lost my job they say young man the world's your oyster hey hey get the off me no no just give me a second I don't know why, but today seems like it's gonna be a great day. La la la, blah 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 blah. I should spend more time with my kids. It's carpe diem, gotta seize the day. I'm gonna move to Spain and run with the bulls. And my wife and boss and kids and parents will say we were wrong about you, Dennis. Hey, Dennis. That's my name. Are you really gonna run with the bulls? Why would I do that? Cause you said you were gonna. Come on, man. That was like three days ago. Or was it? Something today makes me feel fine and fancy free. Much of the ocean is still unexplored. How did I get up in this tree? Now I'm over here. Now I'm over there. Now I'm under this dude. Now I'm back in the tree. Now I'm hanging out back. Stage with my very best friends, Alec Baldwin and Tom Petty. Get out of here. What? Now. Tom? Why would they diss me? I thought they were my homies. Any problem is solvable. We can't feed the hungry and cure disease, but all of that would be a huge waste of time because we live in the Matrix. What's wrong with him? He's on drugs. Oh. 
In 2012, Andy Samberg left Saturday Night Live, though Akiva and Jorma continued for two more years until 2014. They clearly spent 2012 putting together some of their best songs and video ideas because when their third album, the Whack album, emerged in 2013, it was accompanied by some of the most convincing, glamorous, deadpan, star-studded videos that have ever been produced for a joke hip-hop act. In fact, some of the reviews that I read listed this as a weakness in the collection, that it was now too close to what it was parodying, and this would come back to bite them in a few years. Diaper money yanks away the veil of what middle age entails for many men. In the first verse, Akiva boasts of having enough money to buy nappies for his babies because as soon as they start coming, everything is covered in effluent. The fear is that your secure job is there to only ensure the survival and comfort of your spawn. Sharon, uh, I didn't want to put words into uh, Jorma's mouth for this second verse. Uh, do, do you want to explain what the wife pussy one means? I think... I mean, it's, it's obvious what it means, but if you want to deconstruct any of it... Yeah, honestly, I think probably Chris Rock summed it up best. I was going to say that, but he I thought has, I'll let Sharon do yeah, this one. Uh, he has a routine where he discusses the fact that at some point in your life, as you get older, you are going to have to make a choice between security and new pussy new pussy being commitment the commitment and new pussy sorry so uh so new pussy being chasing anything in a skirt that you can get your hands on and that this will ultimately leave you feeling empty and lonely or you can choose commitment to a woman who will actually love you and stay with you even when you fuck up and be kind to you but you will get bored and this is the dichotomy that he presents that you have to, of necessity, choose between. And in real life, Chris kind of fucked up on that one. He uh, he ended up um, overplaying his hand with his... his well, it, I'm not going to go into the personal details of what happened with Chris Rock, but he's, uh, he's alone now. And his last, last comedy routine he did, he seemed like a very bitter man. Mm. And that, that made me sad because I loved Chris Rock when he was young. And I, I want him to be happy and I want his, his life to go well. And that that just made me sad. So that's the wife pussy bit. And in the final verse, Andy brags all about the grave plot that he's looking forward to being buried in. in at the end of the imminent end of his short, meaningless span on this earth. The only pot of gold at the end of this stressful rainbow is the sweet release of death and the hope that your tombstone is at least spelled correctly. In other words, this whole song is an unsexy midlife crisis in three verses. And like so many of their other songs, it is what would happen if insecure men told the absolute truth for just two minutes. I think the other way of looking at this as well is that it's, again, a, there is a Jonathan Coulton parallel, um, Ikea. The idea and that shop you're... And And shopvac, yeah. You're filling your life with the things that society tells you you should be aiming for, but when you get them, they're circular and meaningless. There's got to be Because you're not you attaching any meaning to them. That's why we do stuff, yeah, folks. Absolutely. We encourage Find you to do some your stuff own that makes you meaning. Happy. So this is diaper money. Lonely Alley! We've been in for a minute now! This some grown man shit! I got that diaper money! I got that diaper money, dude! I got that diaper money! I'm a grown ass man! I know I got that diaper money, cause my kids eat the shit! So I say on my hustle to keep my pocket with sick! Money. I got that diaper money, dude. I got that diaper money. I'm a grown ass man. Jay Orgas. <laughs>
I got that white pussy. I got that white pussy. I got that white pussy. I got that pussy on lock. I got that white pussy on lock 24-7. Whenever she lets me, I'm insane pussy heavy. And the best part about it is no one else can have it. And also, I can't have it unless she says I can. See a girl on the street, man, I can't, so I won't. See my wife at home, man, I would. But she hates my guts. White pussy. I got that white pussy. I got that white pussy. I got that pussy on lock. I got that gray fly. I got that gray fly. I got that gray fly. It's right off the highway. Wobbledy wobbledy drop into my gray fly. You afraid of death? Well, I'm afraid not. Cause I got the bomb spot right off the highway. I did it my way. A very small percent of the time way. I got my coffin picked out. Styrofoam painted like wood tricked out. It's even got handles to lower me smooth. And my tombstone only has minimal typos. Gray plot. I got that gray plot. I got that gray plot. Right next to my dad. I got that type of money. I got that white pussy. I got that gray plot. I'm a grown ass man. YOLO was something kids used to say in 2013 during the second term of the Obama administration, back when life was bright and shiny and you only lived once, so it was considered best to take chances and live to the fullest. Nowadays, YOLO seems naive because it did not incorporate the dark dystopian future just around the corner. 2019's YOLO is lying on the couch, your eyes glassy, just waiting for things to get better. This YOLO, however, takes the idea of throwing caution to the wind and completely flips it, advising young people to be careful of absolutely everything. Financially scrupulous, puritanical sexually, wary of foreign situations and people in general until this desperation to keep oneself guarded from the world leads to dribbling Howard Hughes levels of madness. Adam Levine of Maroon 5 guested on this one, along with Kendrick Lamar, who produced the soundtrack to Black Panther, as well as being one of the most gifted hip-hop artists of all time. You were going to say something about Yola? Uh, nothing, again, particularly deep. It was just the fact that I already knew that I liked Adam Levine's voice from previous I songs that he'd done. Like yeah, and uh, this was the first time I'd really seen him, so I credit this song with making me fancy Adam Levine. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> he is your type, though, sort of yeah, slender, dark Yeah, he haired. is, yeah. yeah. Fun. Mm. Mm. Okay. Slightly nerdy. Yeah. Slightly nerdy. Ha, who am I kidding? <laughs> Take the stairs, cause- 
George Orwell. So yo, I'm 1984, sending plugs into sockets. Always wear a chastity belt and triple lock it. Then hire a taster, make him check your food for poison. And if you think your mailman is a spy, then destroy him. No blankets or pajamas, they can choke you in your sleep. Two words about furniture, killing machines. Board your windows up, the sun is bad for your health. And always wear a straight jacket so you're safe from yourself. Uh-huh. Take no chances. no chances, stop freelancing right now. Invest in your future, don't dilute your finances. Uh-huh. 401k, K. make sure it's low risk, then get some real estate. How much? 4.2% 30 year mortgage, that's important, that's a great deal. And if you can't afford it, don't forge it on your last bill. Renting this for suckers right now, a dependable savings, and you'll retire with money in your account. Be solo, say no, no. Isolate yourself and just roll solo. Be careful, lo. You wanna look out on those days for YOLO. Spring Break takes the macho attitude of bro culture, which tends to reach a fever pitch at college party vacation time when men prowl the beaches and bars in rabid, testosterone-addled packs, drunk on the prospect of drunk girls more amenable to their advances. However, this onslaught of hyper-manliness, exemplified through childish excess and attitudes to women, pushes so hard that it wraps around in this song right the way to gay marriage. This one really needs to be seen as a video. Firstly, for the celebrity men marrying the Lonely Island, including Edward Norton, James Franco, and Zach Galifianakis. But also because the language and scenarios thrown in amid the grotty beach party bullshit are disarmingly tender, accepting, and progressive in a way that the guys they're speaking for so rarely are. This is exemplified at the end during wedding photoshoots of these men smiling broadly at one another, and one standout lyric, two kings walking hand in hand. This song will make you wish bros were really like this. It does kind of tease the idea that that toxic sex-obsessed masculinity and the misogyny that it often goes with... Is a smidgen homoerotic? Is, well, it is... It's got a bit of 300 again, on it. we're coming back to the overcompensating, <laughs> yeah. that, it's, that it's potentially a mask for, at the very least, questioning sexuality, mm. and that if they could break through that mask and break through that image, they might actually find themselves in a position to mature and have a shot at real happiness, which they they do. And as you say, it's incredibly sweet. It also did make me think that we we don't really have spring break culture in In the UK. Uh, What we do have, have though, is Friday and Saturday night culture, which is spring break every fucking weekend. Yeah. I mean, in the party towns, you get that as well. If you're in Miami Beach, it's that every Friday night Mm, and every Saturday night. Yeah, I suppose so. Right there in the sand, bros be 
a flip challenge of the kind of Biggie Smalls rap song where the artist claims to be king of everything. It presents the stressful, tedious, angst-ridden realities of actually running New York, with power being something we as men are told from the earliest age that we should pursue. This song takes the bricks out of the briefcase and makes clear that positions of power come with their own cages. Y'all run New York, it's a pain in the ass, the city's crowded as fuck, and it's covered in trash, and the sanitation chief just shovel shit in my face, another transit strike, oh fucking great, I can't wait to have another meeting with the labor union, so the mob can bend me over and then shove their fucking shoe in, but I do it, so you can sip your fucking latte, I literally run New York and it's exhausting, run New York, it's a fucking headache, it really wears you down, this makeup, bureaucratic bullshit, it's a miracle I don't drown Yo, I double literally run New York, I run the marathon Plus I organize it so I double run the marathon But no one seems to give a fuck that I'm a paragon Said they photoshopped me so it's looking like I wear a thong And laugh at it in my own office when I'm gone Went to the Knicks game and they booed me on the Jumbotron Excuse me for trying to help you They won't be satisfied till I'm locked up in I guess they don't tell you This job sucks dick I run New York And it feels like shit The chief of police Is a major bully Laughs at my ideas He's a jerk He made fun of my tie last week And I had to fight back tears Now on the surface It probably seems like I should quit Cause I spend every day Getting punched in the dick But at night I travel down into the subway Wearing chain mail Locked and loaded for and battle the gigantic fire-breathing mutant rat If I fucking quit, who the fuck would do that? I'll give you a hint, the answer is no one That's why I'm in this sewer dressed up like a showgun Cause on the equinox, a hellgate springs Releasing hounds reeds in the blood of kings And no one even knows, they just think I'm a dork But I still kill those fucking dogs cause I run New York I run New York, it's a shitty kid, no overtime in my And they said no fucking way
2013, Andy joined the cast of a new show about New York police called Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's fantastic. We've watched the first four seasons and are very glad it didn't get cancelled completely by those idiots at Fox. I will remind you all again that there are worse things than Disney getting their toys. I see what you mean, yeah. Despite their best efforts, it still lives. Yeah. And it ain't like Disney doesn't cancel things when they shouldn't. Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, Spectacular Spider-Man. A year later, Akiva and Jorma left Saturday Night Live. And in 2016, the guys worked with Universal to produce Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. This was their second significant film and one clearly far closer to their hearts and adapted to their style than Hot Rod. Events follow a Beastie Boys-style trio called the Style Boys. Jorma plays Kid Contact, real name Owen, their music man. Akiva plays Kid Brain, or Lawrence, who writes all of their lyrics. And Andy plays Kid Connor, or Connor Freel, the handsome, charismatic frontman. Their biggest hit was Donkey Roll, which everybody loved and had its own arm-flapping dance. The Donkey Roll was the shit. That's the reason why I danced. We are the style boys who came to party. So get on the floor and move your body. Look into the pit and lose control. Don't be a melting just let me see that Donkey Roll. A few years back, things got strained when Connor was asked alone to provide a bridge for a hot singer named Claudia Cantrell, played by Emma Stone, in her song Turn Up the Beef, which began as a commercial and then became a huge deal, much like I'll Be There For You by the Rembrandts. Connor was considering including a catchphrase like doink the doink so he could begin to establish himself as a solo artist. He ended up putting over a dozen catchphrases in. Connor didn't, because Lawrence was still writing for him, and he didn't contribute at all. And then he goes and wins a Poppy Award for Turn Up the Beef, never credits Lawrence. Lawrence walks on the Style Boys mid-concert, and suddenly Connor is a major solo star of Beyonce levels, though the tenuousness of his position of popularity is made abundantly clear immediately. Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping is a film about the fickle nature of fame, the mask that eats away at the face. It's about how horrible celebrities can become, not out of spite, but simply from living on another plane of reality to everyone else. 
And while it is styled after the Justin Bieber documentaries Believe and Never Say Never, Katy Perry's Part of Me and One Direction's This Is Us, it actually has a lot more in common with Rob Reiner's classic mockumentary This Is Spinal Tap. Now, I, I, I watched the Mark Kermode review where he gave it all of two minutes, including a 30-second clip from the film, and he sort of gave a hand wave. No, it's not like Spinal Tap, and I gave it six laughs. It's not that funny. Mark Kermode may well be my favorite film critic of all time. I love what he says, even when I don't agree with it. I love him as a person. However, this is not made for Mark Kermode. No. It is, it is for like a, a more contemporary audience. No. This, is, this is Spinal Tap for a generation who didn't necessarily grow up with classic yeah. rock, but instead grew up with this constant revolving door mm. of celebrity singers who eventually end up more famous for being famous than they do for actually producing mm. music. I'll cite Kermode's, I didn't make him for you, which he always says with Twilight. Mm. But I could not stop thinking about Kanye West for the first half of this film, especially during the opening number, co-sung by Adam Levine again, your boyfriend, I'm So Humble. Stumble left him covered in a big pot of gumbo. I guess, in a way, being gracious is my weakness. People say I'm so unpretentious for a genius. <laughs> Watch out! Watch out! 
Almost immediately after this, we get Equal Rights, which is a PR stunt on Connor's part, wherein he is clearly in support of gay marriage, because that makes you look progressive and like a good person, in contrast, by the way, with the sincerity of Spring Break by The Lonely Island. However, at the same time, he pushes the macho button too hard in a bid to assure everyone that he isn't gay himself, which causes some visible consternation to guest vocalist Pink especially when he starts chanting sexual freedom for all, which he clearly doesn't realise is the mantra of the North American Man-Boy Love Association, a.k.a. a bunch of paedophiles attempting to infiltrate the LGBTQ community and gain legitimacy. Discrimination. It ain't right. I'm not gay, but if I was, I would want equal rights. I'm not gay, but if I were, I would marry who I like. It's not fair, I'm not gay, that the government has a say in who can love who, not gay, or to which God you can pray on a gay. It gets me so angry on behalf of them. I feel passionate, not gay. So I pray for them and I say for them, we need to make a change, not gay. I see it clear as day, this area is not great titties. We need equality and for all to see that this is the new way, and not gay. It just seems not gay, wrong, not gay, that no one seems to care. Sports, we can't continue to pretend this not gay madness has to end, not gay. Yeah, I was born this way, straight. You were born your way, gay. Gay is straight, straight or gay, it's all okay. Sure. It's time to make a change, yes. it's time to stop the hate. Uh. Who you are is beautiful, not gay. We can't live this way, the gay. Can't turn away, negate, and so I make this vow. Titties, the time for change is now. Sports, lying in bed next to ten beautiful girls, all straight. And while I made love to every one of them, I was thinking about the world, hot wings. How is it that I can't have so much straight sex while two dudes are oppressed, not gay? For having sex, not gay, or putting on a wedding dress, I assume. I don't really know that much about it. Beef jerky tastes good. Politics are important. And if girls want to have sex with me because I said this, so be it, and gay. I'm not a hero, I'm just speaking the truth. I'm not a hero, don't call me a hero. Beer, hoagie, sweatpants, not gay Yeah, not a hero, titties, not gay Ooh, I'm not a hero I'm just a person So don't call me a hero Not some kind of world leader I just want equal rights yeah. In a sleeping night yeah. Next to a girl True love trumps all predator Flying kicks, not gay Big watch, not gay Missionary, one love Gym socks, none, chuck a not gay Light a fluid HD Ninja world, peace, four-wheel drive Gay marriage, love beef Free love, golf love, two guys Not gay, rainbow muff Harvey Milk, Sean Penn, not gay Drum, solo, court, side, seat, same sex One arm, push-ups, Leonard, Skinnerd. I'm not gay, I'm not gay I'm not, 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 not gay I'm not gay oh, I was born this way I'm straight You were born your way You're gay yeah. straight, straight And now it's time gay. for Sexual freedom for all Sexual freedom for all Sexual freedom for all Sexual freedom for all Not gay Remember when I said the complaints about their third album were that it was too convincingly authentic? The production values on show here are so keenly observed that this $20 million endeavour... It was cheaper than Hot Rod? Again, what did they spend the money on with Hot Rod? My God. This is so glamorous. Clearly Akiva was having extra cheese on his waffles. Well, I mean, like, a lot of it was just from very, very careful. Like, they got concert footage from um, just, like, wandering out during an, an Adam Levine concert and saying, can I just, like, be on stage with you for a moment and we'll show your audience? And uh, they got some stuff from, like, the, there was a Justin Bieber concert, which they were allowed to get the footage from, from the dailies. Mm. So, again, you know, it's, uh, it, it's the illusion of scale 
using effectively the same file footage technique as Ed Wood did, and the way they shot the final fight in Rocky Balboa just after a Mike Tyson fight in Vegas. So they had the crowd all there ready to watch boxing. They were like, you want to watch a Rocky fight? That's why it feels so authentic. Yeah, and you don't necessarily have to pay Screen Actors Guild rates to existing celebrities who want to be in your movie. But it seemed like a real documentary about a real boneheaded diva that no one had ever heard of. And it convinced the few people who saw that it even existed at all that it was not the kind of thing they would like to watch. I was I was waiting for it to appear at my local Odeon. And by the time I gave up and started to look for when it would be out on Blu-ray, it already was. They just shot it straight to home formats in the UK. It's important to note, by the way, that uh, in England, SNL was never really a thing. And uh, although in America... Pretty much everyone of our generation venerates John Belushi. Over here, he was only known as one of the Blues Brothers, which was, to me, always the laziest Halloween costume. So it didn't do well at all. It made 9.6 million, and that is a da- like, that's half its budget, less than half. And it's a damn shame, because Popstar is better than all of Sasha Baron Cohen's Let's Pretend movies. It has a fully stocked soundtrack of new Lonely Island tunes, all written from the point of view of their characters, all professionally produced. The film is crammed with celebrity cameos, all talking about Connor and the Style Boys as though they were real. The guys joked that their credits list, this is on the uh, commentary, had more himselfs and herselfs than any other movie, and aside from actual documentaries, they might be right. As with This Is Spinal Tap, this one is all about laughing at the stupid behaviour of prissy musicians who have lost sight of realistic priorities and establishing, in this case posthumously, what a comfortable equilibrium the original band was for these childhood friends so that it feels like a loss when that is gone. Connor's childhood is likely explored. Disastrous mother, played by Joan Cusack. His best friend is Maximus, the tortoise that he got when his dad died. So Connor gets himself an opening act of an up-and-comer named Hunter the Hungry, played by Chris Redd of SNL, who is not only more talented and magnetic on stage, but fucked up and malicious with it, running rings around the child like Connor. Stomping through the forest like a retarded tyrannosaurus Hunter eating beefcakes in the back of four doors Fuck a course, fuck my mom, fuck your dad, fuck this song Seriously, yo, fuck this song, I can't stand it, man, fuck this song, y'all Campbell Soup, Campbell Soup, and around with your girl Lake Havasu And I hula hoop, it's nothing else, butt naked, that's nothing else I'm- That seems like a legitimate rap song It just, it seems like one of those, like, pick you up and grab you, like, grab the crowd Like, it feels very authentic mm. One of my favourite pieces, much like the TED Talk in Prometheus, never made the final cut of the film and was instead used as promotion. It's a short song called I'm a Weirdo, and it was filmed on a phone in an alley with a backup entourage live in one take right here in the one you're about to listen to. I feel like this would have been written by Connor as a response to Hunter trying to make himself feel more edgy and intimidating as a rapper. As a result, it feels oddly authentic, even if it is absurd, and it's quite impressive to watch Sandberg go, all in one take. I'm a weirdo, yeah, I'm a weirdo. 
people looking at me crazy, I don't, I don't care, care though. I'm a weirdo, weirdo. Ask me if I give a fuck. I say fuck no. I say fuck no. I say fuck no. Ask me if I give a fuck. I say fuck no. I'm a weirdo, not a hero. Had a psych eval, didn't clear though. Ergo, I say ear go. Cut my ear off, now I can't hear stereo. If that makes me weird, I'm weird. I use a Mach 3 razor on my beard. Use a Mach 10 razor down here. Seven more plays cause I like a sheer. Use a banana as a telephone. Use a banana as a telephone. Use a banana as a telephone. Spoon in my ear cause my brain's made of gelatone. Latin girls say turn up the reggaeton. But it's me in a wig, mine is hella gone. Ay papi, you crazy. Yeah, I'm crazy for driving Miss Daisy. Best picture, must be doing something right. Chicken bit off my dick at a cockfight. Soda back on, sitting at a stoplight. Bit a cop, got a ticket for a cop bite. I'm demented and deranged, motherfucker. Take the middle seat on the plane, motherfucker. Just wrong, like a dog in Ray-Bans. Pissed off the roof, you could call me Rain Man. Best picture, must be doing something right. Shit, I'm repeating myself, man, I'm not right. I'm a weirdo, yeah, I'm a weirdo. People looking at me crazy, I'm a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. Weirdo, ask me if I give a fuck. I say fuck no. I say fuck no. I say fuck no. Ask me if I give a fuck. I say fuck no. Ask me if I give a fuck. I say fuck no. Connor inevitably does things that turn his fans away until he has only an audience of children and he ends up singing crude playground ditties to them in the deleted song simply titled Fuck Off. It's one of the most obnoxious songs ever made, and it reeks of Connor's desperation by this stage. But I understand where it's coming from. It's a transparent attempt to appeal to the juvenile mindset, and in doing so, regressing. Hey yo, this one's dedicated to all the little kids out there whose parents are always riding on. Telling you to do your homework, never letting you eat dessert, and making you go to bed before you're ready. But listen... The next time they're acting bogus, I want you to try this out. Stand up on your tippy toes, look them dead in the eye, and say, Mom, Dad, you can both fuck off. I don't want your life, I don't know you shit, and I hate your rules, fuck off. So get out of my room, you can suck my dick, motherfucking shit and bitch, you can fuck off. Don't eat paste. Don't talk during nap time. Well, the next time your teacher's being a grumposaurus, stand tall, look him dead in the eye, and say, Teacher, could you help me out and just fuck off? And this would all be barely watchable if Andy Samberg wasn't so entertaining. He is such a believable nincompoop as Connor, so naive and foolish. He's a scared child, uncertain of where to stand or how to act, dependent on his moronic entourage. In fact, that's this film done the wrong way. Entourage. Akiva plays a suitably salty, jilted, embittered ex-partner, exiling himself to a farm to carve hateful wood sculptures and collect frogjes, though he does have a brief solo career with Linkin Park providing guest vocals. 
This one is resplendent of a song from a man who has been called profound in his lyrics in the past and is desperately trying to claw his way back to that place. Boxing gloves, condoms, and blue blockers. Dress shoes, a sharpie, and three quarters. A football hacky sack, frisbee in the back, and a baseball cap, two folding chairs, and a rondack, and a mini cooler full of healthy snacks. Beach towel, sunblock, surfboard, and a sleeping bag. Bottled water, cashew nuts, extra sock, and American flag. Old boots, paper towels, shop girl, a novella, deodorant, house keys, sweatshirt, and umbrella. A golf club, basketball, bug spray, a laundry heap, a pocket knife, a battery. These are the things in my Jeep. These are the things in my Jeep, 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 Jeep. These are the things in my Jeep, 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 Jeep. These are the things, all of the things. These are the things that I keep in my Jeep. These are the things, all of the things. These are the things that I keep in my Jeep. And Jorma as Owen has been relegated to MC status and only has to press play on an iPod. His role, much like Derek Small's, is to play the lukewarm water between the fire and ice of his former bandmate and his current boss. Talking about the interaction between the three style boys in their current incarnations, you write about Owen being the, the lukewarm water in between them. Uh, I quite like the, or the way the glue they, if you will the well the glue that attempts to hold them together but keeps getting you can't glue fire away. <laughs> exactly and have you ever tried to print stick an ice cube it doesn't um, doesn't really work but because Lawrence retreats from the celebrity lifestyle even further than Owen does Owen seems to be the healthiest out of the three of them in fairness and he, although he's still working with Connor, he is hidden in a way that actually leaves him relatively protected because this lifestyle has the potential to make people extremely vulnerable. And Connor leaps into that head first. And by leaving the band and doing it on his own, he effectively cuts himself off from all of his life rafts. Mm kind of putting himself on the the altar for consumption by the masses, that he's going to produce so much of himself, even though it, it comes across as not authentic. All those little snippets that he does on YouTube that are his everyday life and just little bits of his thoughts and his his doings, they seem silly and they seem ridiculous, but they're actually really almost expressing that vulnerability that he desperately wants to be seen and recognised for who he really is. There's the play on words with his his name. His given name is Connor Friel, and his stage name is Connor For Real. And there's a deleted joke where he indicates he didn't actually get that until somebody else pointed it out to him. Well, because um, it was just one of the... <laughs> Uh, catchphrases that Lawrence wrote for him mm. for Turn Up the Beef. And he was like, Connor, for real, I like that. Yeah. But he didn't know why. But he didn't know why Again, he liked it. Again, this is all it. just inferring. Absolutely. But it all ties into his character arc, which is to try to reach out authentically for people to love him for who he is, not realise that's what he's doing and therefore do it in a way that everybody tells him to, which is very fake because it makes them money. And by the end of the film, he's broken through that and is actually starting to behave in a more genuine, 
way that gets him more of what he needs, what he really wants, which is for people to connect with him personally. And the irony is that it comes back around to it being the two people that he was connected with personally in the first place. I do appreciate Sarah Silverman's character, Paula, in this as well, because she could have just come off as a shark who immediately leaves him when the going gets tough, but she comes back for him to pull him out of his funk. And she puts him in exactly the right place to to pull himself back together again. Mm. But at the point that Connor is at his lowest, when he's fucked up so many times and nobody wants to hear from him anymore, aside from ghoulish paparazzi from a thinly-veiled TMZ, just looking for him to do foolish things so they can extract more sustenance from a celebrity, his beloved tortoise Maximus dies of soggy bone syndrome. And his response, rather than a meltdown, it's a very somber, quiet to camera, posted on Twitter or wherever his blog is. All right, you guys win. I'll go away. And that really got to me. Because it's a child being mature, but at the same time heartbroken and at a total loss. And I've been there. Again, were Andy Samberg less charming or fun, he might have outstayed his welcome, but I'd enjoyed seeing him be a jackass so far, and when we're shown how sad and crushed he is, and that he can't seem to do anything right, I felt bad for laughing at him before. It is a humanising moment for both subject and viewer. I actually, I really rate um, Samberg's performances in, in, in this and uh, over time in um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I suspect that much like Adam Sandler in uh, Punch Drunk Love, he's going to do like a dramatic film where he just, it's not for laughs and he's really good at mm. that. He has a vulnerability about him and he understands male vulnerability because it's in his songs again and again and again. Mm. Well, he personifies for me a really good example of what the if you like, millennial take on old-fashioned toxic masculinity is, Mm. which is to be hapless and not know what you're doing and stumble through and make a mess of things, but not double down on trying to force everybody to think that you do know what you're doing, to be willing to accept that you haven't got a clue (laughs) and that it's entirely possible that somebody else out there might have a clue and might be able to offer you some support. And frankly, anybody who is pushing that as an alternative message, I'll take it. Here's a song nearly all of you will have heard, but some of you didn't know was accompanied by The Lonely Island. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Many thanks to our awesome sponsors this week. Joel Robinson, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Matthew A. Siebert, Benjamin Biddle, Joseph Gluck, Sean Duran, Kevin Otero, Luke Hatfield, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finn Barnicol, Jameis Enright, Mark Luce, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Datchler, and Lorraine Chisholm. Have you heard the news?
Back to Popstar. This film served as a farewell for The Lonely Island. They may do more songs in future, but it feels like they've moved on. And while the fictional versions of themselves get to reunite and donkey roll to the delights of audiences, this film remained of only niche appeal and to some quite sniffy reviews. To us, it remains a thoroughly engaging and strangely uplifting musical experience, and the soundtrack and The Lonely Island albums are always in our rotation for when we need a pick-me-up. Because while they might spend the duration of their best songs taking shots at neurotic enforcement of masculinity, they never forget to make the songs genuinely fun to listen to. The end of the film all builds up to Connor eating humble pie, to the revelation that dear departed Maximus was bought for him as a ninth birthday present by his buddies, and a decision when he gets asked to present the Poppy Music Awards as to whether to go on as Connor for real or as Kid Connor with the other two style boys in tow. Finest girl I ever met in my whole life Wanna take her home, make her my wife Knew she was a freak when she started talking She said I'm a style boy for life Should we tell him? Yeah, tell him, man. We made a new song at the farm. We found Lawrence's journals, and they were just amazing. Amazing, just full of incredible thoughts. Just like ideas and poems and stuff, nothing special. Yo, and then Connor had the idea to take a piano line for my solo shit. Connor put it all together. And the poppies paired us with the craziest special guest to perform with. Incredible thoughts, incredible minds, I'm so A snow white dove in the pitch black night A raindrop falls from tremendous heights A wave crashes off of a cliff in Scotland A child bites an apple but the core is rotten TV is free, but what is the cost? We have GPS and yet we're still lost A carrot in the desert, a camel in the garden A man with giant ears begging your pardon What if a garbage man was actually smart? A common misconception that we're tearing apart Into a dog? Dog food is just food Into a sock? A Mansion's just a big shoe <laughs> A milk dud Sitting in the acid rain A house cat Addicted to the cocaine No teeth Unlimited floss These are just a few Of our incredible thoughts Incredible thoughts Oh man Watching the Style Boys Together on stage again Was like I lived to see that 
After that, you know, take me away. I'm done. Kit Contact, Kit Green, and Kit Connor all back together. The motherfucking style boys. This is just some revolutionary shit, man. My heart is pounding right now. A ballerina waits for the bus. A number one dad, trophy covered in rust. A nun ducks a basketball, living the impossible. A man breaks his leg inside a hospital. We just thought of that, and it could change the world. We're like a smart oyster full of pearls. Such as an ultrasound of a new baby with a Santa hat drawn on. Yeah, that's my kind of Christmas card. What if a butterfly was made out of butter? These small thoughts could destroy Big Brother. The world's cutest kitten just hugging a dog. Just one of many of our incredible thoughts. What if one could kill the people What if one song could end all evil Imagine if a fish could play guitar And also sing It would sound bizarre Like My name is Mr. Fish yeah. These guys' thoughts have granted my wish Oh yeah All I want to know who's in that fish costume That was amazing The fish was me Tyrus oh. And that may have just changed the course of time I swear my mind When it was happening, I was just like, yo, I cannot believe I'm here to witness this man. How did my brain conceive them? And if you've ever been a fan of him or have heard his music, you'll have already surmised that Weird Al Yankovic was one of the major inspirations for these guys. Threw it on the ground in particular sounds like one Al could have done himself. So we're going to end on another of the most Weird Al Yankovic style songs of theirs. And it's called Semicolons. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. <laughs> I can't do it! And school's out for real. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to grammar class. Today we're learning about semicolons. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes, Lonely Island? We use semicolons every day. Can you give me an example? Oh, hell yeah. Get ready for a whale of a time. Shamoo. My whole team coming clean. Shampoo. These dudes is comic relief. Whoopee. And I'm the motherfucking monster. Cookie. When you see me better cross the street. Frogger. Then go home and write about it. Blogger, did I do that? Urkel, yo Angela, who's the boss? Merkel, I'll take you where you never been. Oxnard, then make you suck a bull's nut. Oxnard, if Miss Moore, Mary Josh, Demi Brolin, a comma and a fucking dot, semicolon. We run these streets, that lights, all eyes on me. Sipping around, 
jet ski. Your dick is little like Wayne Gretzky. But Gretzky's got a big dick. Clarification. Everyone was rude to me. Paris vacation. My stomach's getting fat. Food. Leave trash inside my car. Rude. You acting all macho. Ralph. But I'll eat all you cats. Alf. Hey, we run the game. Nowadays, everybody's using curse words. Seems to me like it ain't necessary. Yeah, so when I get steamed, yo, I tell them like this. I don't give a honk. I don't give a honk. And if you think I do, my friend, then you're wrong. The crocodile tears can go and get gone. You're faking the funk, but we don't give a honk. I'm a wild child, and I'm on the loose. Giving less of a honk than a muzzled goose. Or a broken car horn, and it's honkless fate. Man, if I was senator, it'd be a honkless state. Yo, I drove past a rally saying honk for peace. So I took out my gun and shot them all in the knees. I don't give a honk. You picked the wrong dude. If a honk was my virginity, consider me proof. I consider it rude to have honk expectations Only thing I give a honk is a long vacation On a long space station, can't hear you scream And they sure can't hear you honk, yeah that I mean Yo, we told you before, we don't give a honk And saying that we do is just simply redonk You can try to buy us off with your pesos and frogs But your money means nothing, you can take it to the bar Man, I'm stingy when it comes to my honks Me too, I literally stick them to my body with glue Good thinking, Abe Lincoln, you a real smart cookie Teach a class about giving a honk I'm now what you gonna do with all your honks? Gonna dive in and swim like Scrooge McDonk Cause for a honk I'd buy the chunk out of Buddhist mom And at his funeral, everyone will sing this song Yo, we told you before, we don't give a honk Got a theory that we do, well your theory's debunk Save the drama for your mama cause your itis is bronk Our policy is staunch, we don't give a honk You know a honk in some countries is considered a food And if you don't eat it all, it's considered quite rude We all know we're born with 100 honks But people throw them away like they would Donkey Kongs And the honks are the barrels The kings and the pharaohs They sang about honks like they were Christmas carols I'll punch you in the jeans But this ain't Lonely Island And if I catch you scheming my honks I'll get violent Yo, we told you before We don't give a honk Even if you give us candy like Willie the Wonk But don't come for my honks Better know your place Mother honkers honk around and get honked in the face This is the Not Honk 